about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. You're a Knockout, a podcast for your inner badass. <laughs>
I thought that that was last year. Yeah. That was still this year. It's still happening. Everything's <laughs> happened this year. Like we had the alien invasion. People are like, eh, whatever. I've literally, did you see those videos back in, I don't know, June or July? And the Pentagon released this video of a yes. UFO. And people are like, well, whatever. Yeah, no one even reacted. No like, hmm, okay. Yeah, and then like, there was like murder hornets. And then there was like a fire tornado the other day. Did you see that? No, but it sounds pretty epic. Out in <laughs> California. I mean, Thoughts and prayers to all those people like that's serious stuff happening. I don't want to sound like a dick, but also there was this thing and it looked like the end of the world. Like how I would picture the end of the earth. You just see this giant tornado and it's just a fire, fire. tornado. I mean, and I'm like, I didn't even know that that could happen. <laughs> no, and that's the funny, like, that's the crazy thing as we look at it and not to get away from your original, like say we went to the, was it longevity last yeah. year? But I think it's important to let things just be what they are. Yeah. You start really breaking down like what every month has looked like. You know, you had the true lockdown moments and mm-hmm. then, toilet paper disappeared and people were at each other's throats <laughs> and you know they had a beef shortage yet you go down the street and right now you can get 20 fillets for $35 like I have no idea what's happening anymore <laughs> I almost am convinced that like California is just going to fall off the United States like just wash into the ocean you got people a mass exodus of all the famous people leaving because of all the crazy shit happening over there and uh, Florida my biggest thing it's always Florida, right? Yeah. It's always Florida has the craziest stuff. But coronavirus insanity is a thing. Yeah. And you every it's so much that every day you can find a story about something you can't believe is happening. Well, kid, fifth grader, I kid you not, is in school. He has to wear a mask naturally, social mm-hmm. distancing. But they found his mask offensive because it said Hooters on it, like from the <laughs> restaurant. And I'm thinking, this is like, this is actual news. Like people oh are that God. worried about this. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, uh, Dude. I don't know why I told that story specifically, <laughs> but all I know is that I found it fascinating because you, you know, you can't, you have to have some kind of, uh, I don't know, sense of like a, what do you call it? A principal has to dictate what's acceptable at their school, yeah. but a nationally recognized chain restaurant that's and got terrible. Also, <laughs> like, just let's just be happy that he's wearing that's a mask. Saying, like, like, there's so much going on. Like, we're just gonna, like, Pick at, hey, you can't wear that mask now. It wasn't even political. It wasn't like, you know, yeah. it had nothing on it other than an owl. Like, hey. Right? Like, owls are offensive. <laughs> Seriously, who's been to Hooters, though, since like 1996? Anyway, that's always, that's my, my mm, question. Dude, okay, I will say, I haven't been there, but I did recently buy their sauce to there make man. chicken, and it was like real <laughs> underwhelming. I was right. like, this seemed a lot better. I think it's all the ambiance that comes mm-hmm. with it because my girlfriend bought the same stuff. And I was like, this is trash. Yeah, like, it's so thick. It's almost like buttery. mayonnaise. Yeah, it's like, it is like mayonnaise. It's not even spicy. It's just kind of like, you know, a white person made this. That's, <laughs> the, that's the bottom line. Yeah. Keep that in there, by the way. Yes, don't take that out. We no, don't edit any of the that's things. That's the best type. Real raw, just keep going. Yeah. So, yeah, you have known me for a bit. I am uh, Mandy's brother-in-law. And I think a lot of things, even from her perspective, has changed. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know where she's starting to know the guy that I am today as opposed to the guy that I was. And yeah. even through the years, you know, I had this uh, conviction, like I didn't like the way my life was. And uh, now I'm in a position where I can actually go for and be the person I want to be. Yeah. So that's uh, been really an amazing thing. The, the way to get there wasn't fun. Right. However, talking about it can be. Yeah, that's the thing is like, I think when I first met you, like I didn't really see you around a lot. <laughs> no, it's like I was in jail or something. Yeah, like the biggest interaction I had, I think was at the wedding mm. and a couple of nights out and that was it. And so it's like, it's not funny, but it's kind of funny to look back and think like how you were then. And then 
at my 5k, I was just telling him the story on the way you saved my ass because we showed up and like the audio wasn't set up or something. Like we had nothing. And it was like 30 minutes until like start. And I was like, oh my God. And you're like, hey, uh, like real calm. So uh, (laughs) there's this audio. There's nowhere for me to like plug in or like, what's going on here? And I'm like, (laughs) by the way, it's not like going on here, everybody. No, but I know what you're, I know what you're so saying. So what's the story yeah. here? They, they call that puking on the mic, by the way. And if I ever sound like Do that, they? please. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. It's Aaron Lane, the host of Tragedy to Try. No, oh, people man. would be like, stop, turn so him I off. So I shouldn't do that now. I was going to make that my new thing. Hey, you're a knockout. What's going on you here? You could. You could. Or just do it a different voice every single time you do it. I'm serious. Just like a little Hello, governor. It. See? Right? You're a knockout. You got to work on that one. <laughs> you you kind of do. But yeah, we uh, you didn't have any audio equipment. I ran back to the yes, station. You I did. got a thing. You're like, oh, it's cool. I'll go to the station yeah. and I'll come back. And you were just like a little angel. I couldn't even believe it. And we started like right on time or like two minutes after or like, but basically no, not enough for anyone to notice. No. And typically people don't. I think in the context of like being a professional, uh, I mean, I'm a bigger critic than most people would be because mm-hmm. they don't, they don't do it. Like you're going to have some random, you know guy just be your DJ sure I mean and he'll probably be frazzled yeah. but you just like it's playing music and talking and you know reminding people of why we're there and yeah. it's and I was actually kind of anxious because of the situation and being there and then having been a smoker and the situations around that mm-hmm. and I'm like oh my gosh am I a hypocrite <laughs> for being here you know like my mind goes in a totally yeah. other direction but I had my daughter with me and anytime I have my kids with me mm-hmm. it's uh I try to really focus on that and yeah. you know showing them that your, their dad's trying to enjoy the most of their life, his life. And I have so. a lot of people that say that too, like people that are smoke or like friends of mine that still like struggle with trying to quit and stuff. And they feel like hypocritical or like they feel like they can't come because it's like a fraud thing. But I'm like, right. it's not, it's not about like what you've done. It's more of like what you're doing. That's, moving but forward. that's my point, right? It's what are you totally doing right it. now? It's like, yes. I, I don't think I smoked a cigarette at all that day. And I was like, I can't smoke a cigarette and come here. Now I've been trying to like vape more and more. Like I don't yeah. smoke in my car. There's all like have been trained, but I also used to do heroin. I was so going to say, be like, I mean, <laughs> the first alternative. Year, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> keep it for what it is. Let's just be happy that I'm here. But it's all about making progress and a lot of things. I mean, hell, my first year of sobriety, I ate mac and cheese almost every day. Yeah. And like getting, you know, obese. Like, uh, it was like the wake up call of, of that first year. <laughs> I took a picture with Manny and my brothers on, yeah. on Thanksgiving, and it literally looked like I ate the turkey. Like, that's how big it, I was. <laughs> you were I was the like, turkey. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, to stand there. And I'm kind of like broad and I'm smiling and thinking, oh, that's how I look. I can't do that. That was the best though. Like, I know you probably hated that, but that's mm-hmm. when we were all getting really excited because we're like, he looks so healthy. That's look how good he looks. My brother, everybody says that. And I'm like, and I, and, and there's some truth to that. That's mm-hmm. important. I think that's important to talk about, you know, for, for me, I knew it was going to happen. I think when I was using, you know, IV drugs, I got down to like 170. And my frame is not really built for that. Like I'm like now I'm a, I'm a solid 200 pounds, roughly mm-hmm. healthy, like, but uh, I can get all the way up to like 260. That mm-hmm. is a big, that's a lot of weight to carry. Mm-hmm. And mentally I look at it, I don't like the way I look. So then you deal with some like body dysmorphia things where I think I'm bigger than I actually am or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to embrace it. I'm like, I know I'm going to get bigger. Okay. That's going to be a, a, a sign for others that I'm doing what I need to be doing because I don't you don't get fat and use heroin like right. you just it, it, typically yeah. the other way around. So I was like, all right, let me embrace it. 
let me just own, love myself, the person I see in the mirror regardless. And at some point, which would have been that first year, it was literally, I think, my 11 months in my sobriety. I was like, I have to make some changes. Because that's what it's about. It's not just about like not using or drinking. It's about other stuff. Well, I imagine that it would have to be just like trying to like restart your routines and everything all yeah. over again. Create a routine. Yeah. I'm, I'm like the worst with routines. If it means they're positive. Well, uh, like your diet and everything. Like that's such diet. an extreme thing. What do you think was like, obviously like aside from using, like what was like the hardest thing? Well, adjustment? I think oh, that's actually a good question. I think at the end of the day, you know, when I look at my life uh, now, because I still struggle with a lot of things like organization. I just don't have it. I have ADD. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. It bothers me, but I'll never be that guy that's like highly organized, okay? Which is, one, you know, like that's a routine thing, like getting up every morning, making my, you know, like those things. It's the simple stuff. It's, you know, being a list taker or, you know, um, I think because like, I'm hypercritical of like, people always tell myself that I'm too hard on myself even today. I uh, try not to be, but biggest adjustments. Um, hmm. And, you know, always like a coverall with recovery, right? So like the first thing is like, being honest and not thinking about myself because it's a very selfish thing to get high every day and mm-hmm. steal from people. Like it's very, very selfish. So what is the opposite of that? It would be reaching out to people, sending them love or positive vibes, thinking about them before I think about mm-hmm. me. That's a huge adjustment because naturally I don't want to think about anybody else, but mm-hmm. I force myself to do it. And now almost four years later, it's like become a part of my life. Like yeah. I have to do that when I get up in the morning or meditation. That's another thing. When When I was using, I never even had some time to like, reflect and, and and focus on within or the God of my understanding. And it was just like, you know, run on self-will and autopilot. So like to develop those, it's like healthy coping habits, not being quick to anger, being willing to forgive others, being able to forgive myself. When I, The other thing is like showing up when I tell people I'm going to. That's like the, I think the biggest thing that has changed in my life outside of the obvious mm-hmm. is that like, I'm rarely late anywhere. Yeah. Rarely. And I try to just like, all right, let's do it. God, we were literally just having that talk on the way here. First of all, do you know what your Enneagram is? I am no, I don't. Dude. But it sounds like I really want to know. I really, I'm going to, the second <laughs> that we're Enneagram, done with this, I'm sending you the test to like take. like Instagram, but it's, it's, it's <laughs> a little bit older. It's the Instagram for people like us. Is it like a wavelength thing? Enneagram? It's literally like, like, it's a scale that psychologists use. So it's oh, like, um, a lot of those. it's like the type of like, it's based on your personality type where like astrology or astrological signs are like your, oh, yeah, like you based on like, like when you're water. So I heard that on your, episode, like when you're like born and sign. stuff. Yeah. But this is literally like based on your like psychology. Time I was, oh, the psychology and time you're born and month and all that stuff. And well, it, that's like astrology. Okay. But like for the <laughs> Enneagram, got like instru- I know it's not like that. Like I love astrology, but that's more like when you're born and like, right. when was People the moon in the ever, sky? Yeah. And when you were, was Mercury when- in retrograde? <laughs> <laughs> like all those questions. Like, yes. I don't know. You're yeah. Sure. But this is really interesting because it's like, in my opinion, and I mean, I guess scientifically way more accurate right. because it's like your personality type and it shows you how you vibe with different people. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's so weird to read about because what you're talking about, you two are so similar, just like in huh. like how I can tell like your routine and like having to meditate and just like how critical and stuff you are of yourself, like perfectionist, like, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, and, and what's funny is like you were talking about like being on time and stuff. That's like something that I was like 
when we were late today. I was like, dude, I hate that I was bugging out in the car, wasn't I? I was like, <laughs> I like when it comes to anything, she's like, you know, you can't control this right now. I'm like, I know. But like whenever I'm like having someone do something for me or whatever, I'm like, right. I or like even professionally, I'm always early in case that person's early too. Like, I just always want to be like, that's like a big thing for no, me. And I think it, it should be. I think that's like a human condition thing, right? Like mm-hmm. anybody can focus on that and say, I don't want, you know, like getting into like further expand on your like perfectionist thing. Like mm-hmm. that's something I challenge though in myself. Like yeah. I am probably the most neurotic, easygoing guy there is. Like I think constantly much more than I even talk. Yeah. And when I talk about being critical, it's like, I want to, I hold myself to a different standard that I seem to fall short of all the time. But then I also redirect them. Like, I just need to enjoy, like, what, what is that, uh, content being, trying to be content with the way things are mm-hmm. made a lot of progress in a short period of time. I can't compare my life to somebody else's. This is within my control. Like being a good dad's in my control, being on time. Like Mm -hmm. if I'm not on time, you know, which it still does happen. Mm -hmm. Right. uh, But it's just trying to do things that I know I have control over. Yeah. All the other stuff, like the pandemic, I haven't lost my mind about the pandemic at all because I don't have any control over what everybody else does. All I know is that like in my house, things are good. My kids are, are good. I try to be, you know, so. You know what's weird about that? Like, during the pandemic with the first shutdown, like the first couple of weeks, I was obviously worried about my business. Oh, yeah. But I was like unusually just like cool with it. Yeah. And everyone <laughs> around like, me was freaking out. And I'm like, is this, am I just like completely unstable or is this possibly. okay? <laughs> I kind of wanted everything to just start burning down. Like in my sick, twisted fight club mentality <laughs> where like they destroy the credit card building. I'm like, please let there like be full anarchy right <laughs> I now. want the world People to burn. Just, and then there got a little bit of it. I was like, please more in my head. I wouldn't tell people. Like, oh, fact, so I'm you're the reason now, there was a fire tornado. <laughs> All of that stuff is like, let's promote the end of days. In a lot of ways, it's like a full cleanse, right? Yeah. I don't hope anything bad happens to yeah. people. I'm just like, well, if it's the end of the world, like they're, they're saying in a lot of ways, or like this is, this is very bad. Well, let's see how wild it can really get. Yeah. You know, well, then it just the and then it just made you realize too, like all like the stupid bullshit that we worry about all yes. all the time. And I don't know. I guess I realized a lot of things that I was doing just because, like going out and doing things and being around people and whatever, because like that's just what you're supposed to do, I guess. And then I was like, oh, I can just sit here and just relax and like hang out with my dog and not have FOMO because nobody's doing anything, Nobody and is, you can right. just exist. You don't have to worry about rushing to get anywhere <laughs> or do anything. Self-evaluation. Yeah. Like, what do I really need in life? What is it that I, you know, what makes me happy? Should I pick up a new hobby? This. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, though, fell into a dark place. I've seen it. I think you, you see it, especially in the way people communicate. Mm-hmm. Everybody's on edge. Oh, for um, sure. I actually went to Best Buy. So I was talking about like doing my show from home and ha- I was trying to find a webcam because it's important. And I go there, they don't have anything. I have, it's hard to believe that all the shelves are still bare in some of these places. Mm-hmm. And Best Buy, I said, no, we're out of stock. I was like, okay, cool. Have a good day. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, you're not mad and going to freak out. I was like, no, why would I freak out? He's like, dude, everybody, when I don't have something, loses their mind on me. I was like, wow. Like yeah. something that was out of their control. Right. You know. How so. was like that for you? Like, especially with recovery and stuff going into a pandemic. Yeah, well, I think the most difficult thing for me is this idea of um, what's what's the word? We, it's connection. The opposite of addiction is connection, mm-hmm. and a huge part about my recovery is is spending time with people and 
you know, going to meetings and and community service work and talking to friends and, you know, pop. I mean, all of that, uh, because the opposite, you know, what addictions like is isolation. So now being saying we can't go to meetings, you can't do this, you can't, you know, you have this social distance, all of that, all the stuff we already know. Mm-hmm. That is, that puts a huge strain, right? Because I'm being forced to isolate when I know that I shouldn't be. So a lot of people there, actually, we've, we've seen that people are, I mean, even the normal person, and I use that more and I mean it, like is drinking more. Mm-hmm. That's been shown, like they shot through the roof, people are buying guns, they're doing this, doing that. But for someone in recovery, it's really dangerous because now all of a sudden they can't be around people who are like-minded. And mm-hmm. we do have, we, you know, we've gone with the times and technology and have these online meetings and they were great initially, but it still doesn't have that connection. Right. So that's a huge, that's a huge problem. You know, not to go to a clubhouse where clubhouses where we have meetings all day long. And, and the you accountability just probably. Yes, yeah, what I mean, like all of that. Yeah. So it's, it was tough. And so I give a huge shout out to anybody, one who got sober in 2020 or has remained. I've been telling, I've been joking around. I'm like, look, if you stay sober this year, it counts as two. Just letting you know. <laughs> so all of a sudden I got five years up coming up. You know yes. what I mean? So yeah, I think, um, but I, I knew that. I knew going into it was like, I can't go anywhere. I'm not even allowed to leave the house right now. Well, how, what am I going to do with that? Like, I, mm-hmm. it, once again, like powerless over this, right? And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I can start, I can focus on my podcast and I can do, I can reach out to people. I can host my own, you know, like share my story. I can do something. And uh, I actually started a project where I was like, all right, I'm good. Even though I don't have a job at the moment, I was good. So I th- thought, why not help somebody who's maybe in sober living, get them some basic necessities like toilet paper or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, that ended up being a really cool thing. So like a month, like the whole month of March into April, I spent almost every day like dropping things off to different places in the area just so that they had very basic needs. Yeah. But at least I was doing something. So do you yeah. feel like giving back is like healing for you too? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. what, what does that like do for you? I think uh, it forces me to think about other people and recognize that, um, Compassion fixes this, right? And for my own life, someone had to show me compassion in order for me to see that I have value. And I think it's important to, to, to continue that and to give that the outreach efforts that I do is uh, to keep that going. It's like paying it forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does feel good. I think there's this circle. I, I talk about it on my show a lot. It's like, uh, you know, like I help people because it in turn helps me, which allows me to help more people. And it's like, this keeps going, keeps mm-hmm. going. But the moment I stop that, I have a tendency to like slack off on a lot of things. You know, reaching out's a big part. Like all of a sudden, my if I'm just like in my own head, things can get really ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Just like the, you know, it how I, I strongly believe that it keeps it going. Yeah. Is there a point in your recovery that someone was like extra compassionate to you that made you realize that that was like something that was really helpful? Yeah. So uh, for those who don't know. Yeah. I, talk yeah, about I mean, We've just like yeah. segued into this no, without like a backstory. Like, hey, no, it's all good. It's fine. I, well, things happen naturally and you got to, to break it down. But, you know, I struggled with addiction for about a decade of my life. It started with pain medication and that snowballed into a lot of other things. I've always liked partying. I think it has its place. I am not anti-drug or anti-alcohol by any means, mm-hmm. but I'm pro-recovery now realizing that people can take this too far and it destroys lives, okay? So for myself, it destroyed, you know, my sense of self, my family, my relationships, job, list goes on, got to the point where I was using IV heroin on a daily basis. And, and really whatever I get my hands on, started getting in trouble with the law, 
and, uh, you know, running from the police, like, like really terrible things I could never consider doing, but was on such autopilot with using that I, that's what I did. And mm-hmm. it got to the point after five felonies, like going to go to prison, like I was supposed to go a judge by the name of Kimberly Burke here in Cincinnati, Hamilton County drug court program. So Mr. Lane, I know you don't have any hope left, but I have hope for you. And I think it's that moment where I recognize, like, I didn't deserve it. I definitely didn't deserve it. Yet she was going to give it to me anyway. Mm-hmm. And that was like the huge catalyst for my recovery because I've been clean ever since. Mm-hmm. was like, all right. So if for anybody else, right, for anybody else that's like in the midst of it and hates themselves, shame, guilt, all of that, if you can show them some compassion and maybe a way out, that could potentially change their life that day. Mm-hmm. And I still do it. You know, like, it'll give you another situation. And I don't want to make this all about, like, what I do and me, me, me. But it's just like, this is my life. So it's just yeah. trying to keep it going. Like, last week, uh, or actually for the past six months, I've been going to BP right across the river in, in Kentucky mm-hmm. every morning for coffee or buy red lines. They're like an energy drink, and they're the only people who have them, it seems like. And there's a homeless guy. His name's Logan. Uh, I've seen Logan for a while, and he looks progressively worse. Every, every single time I see him because he's homeless and he's young and he's using drugs. And I just try to talk to him like a human being. I don't just like hand him 20 bucks, but mm-hmm. buy him a pack of smoke. So, you know, whatever it is, just talk to him, treat him like a normal person. But I also have said, look, whenever you need help, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get it for you mm-hmm. because I have access to these things, but he right. has to make the, the first call. Six months I've been seeing this guy almost every day. And finally, uh, last week, like last Wednesday, I get a call from that VP And it's him on the other end. He said, man, I'm tired of this. I'm just tired. And I was like, okay, I'm on my way. I dropped everything. I was literally on my way up to Columbus. And I was like, drop it all, right? So I get down there. He's not looking good. Uh, I got on the phone. I started to, to, you know, organize getting him an ID from the drop-in center, which is our homeless shelter here in Cincinnati. Uh, I I, uh, got him admitted to a emergency detox place. Drove him, all those things, Mm -hmm. right? And... One, he can't believe it's happening, okay? Secondly, I can't believe it's going together so easily, but I knew that maybe this could be the time for him. I haven't talked to him since. I think I'm hoping he's still, but like I drop him off. I'm dropping off in this building that something very amazing happened for me too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you look at that and you say, this could be the time that saves his life. And it didn't cost me anything. It cost me some time, right? Right. So you look at that and say, okay, who else is going to do that? It's not that I have this bleeding heart that I just want to pick up homeless people all the time. Yeah. Like, it's, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not just like scouring like, hey, bro, you want to get some treatment? Like, it doesn't work like that. It's like developing human connections with people yes. and realizing like, that's somebody's son. Mm-hmm. Like, why is he there? I guess it's a series. People can argue, yes, it's a series of bad decisions. But sometimes people, you don't know what led up to all that. Maybe right. he was abused. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, his mom died, you know, like whatever it is. And he just, he found comfort in drinking or using. And then he, now he's stuck. Uh, yeah. And no one's willing. Everybody just looks at him like he's a piece of shit because he's homeless. And he's not. He's funny. He's kind. He's got a big heart. He's an old country boy. Yeah. So you look at that and say, okay, if he's a human being, then I need to treat him like, because somebody treated me like one when I didn't feel like it. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I see is that maybe that little moment in his life can turn to something. I don't have any control over that. Yeah. He can go in there and just like decide to leave. He might've already, I don't yeah. know. He doesn't have a phone. It's not like, you know, we like hang, he's not like hanging out in my house or anything, but he's got a shot. Yeah. You served up that opportunity. That's what I'm saying. Anything could take anything. And that's the thing too, that always has like made me really angry. Cause like you see things online and people like taking videos of people. Like I've seen that. Oh, on, like, like overdosed and everything. Yes. Yeah, don't do that by the way. It's and a it's very just like, look. I just think, 
like, I don't know, growing up too, my mom was really good about like, <laughs> she's just like the sweetest little thing and she's shorter than me. If someone was like, <laughs> you know, driving crazy on the highway, I'd be in the backseat like, oh my God, that guy is such an ass. Right. And my mom would be like, well, Rachel, you just never know what he they're going through. Maybe his wife's in labor and they're rushing to the hospital. Maybe he's on his way to say goodbye to someone. And next thing you know, I'm feeling like, like an asshole. Like, oh are. God. And she's just like, <laughs> I just look at every car as being like their own little world. And you know, you don't know what's going on yeah. in there. And I think of that when I see people that are like falling on hard times and like homeless people and whatever, like, Okay, when they were a kid, if you asked them, what do you want to be when you grow up? They wouldn't have said that. No, like, obviously, no things has have led them to. Right. And I'm not responsible for all that, right? I'm not responsible for your life decisions. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, it's tough enough for me to change my own life, let alone trying to change yours. Yeah. Right? I always tell people that, too. Like, it's very difficult. But what I do recognize, and I'm not always looking at people like that. Like, I'm still human. I mm-hmm. still can get very selfish and self-centered. And even in a positive way, like yeah. determined, I have to make something happen. And people in my home rely on me. So screw all that other stuff. I don't, it's not, it's not as important as this. But uh, when you can have a chance to be empathetic towards someone, and that's what it is, it's, it's a tool that can be developed, right? I don't think you know, empathy, it takes some work. It takes some effort because people, it'll hurt your feelings if people don't do it. Like, I want to help, but I don't want to help because it makes me feel better. I want to help because it's the right thing to do. It's right. altruism. It's, I don't expect anything out of this other than what I already seem to be getting. And it's just keeping what I yeah. have, right? It's just yeah. keeping the recovery. Not like, oh, if I help this homeless guy out and I post about it, like I'm posting to maybe encourage other people like, look, this right. is a human being. Not about, hey, look what Aaron's doing. It's not right. virtue signaling. It's yes. not And I have a huge battle with that, by the way, because I do it often. Uh, not like in that context, but overall, like my whole call to action, do big things, go out there, sir, you know, compare yeah. all this, this and that. It's not about me necessarily. It's about engaging our community and saying, look, we can fix this. It just takes some work collectively. That's all. Right. And there's a difference in what you do, like your message. I've never looked at that like, oh, this is Aaron just wanting a high yeah. five. <laughs> but I saw, I actually saw a video the other day and it's like, this is what homeless people see. And it's like a girl with her phone walking up and like yeah. handing them a 20 or like, oh. it's like, you're not trying to help that person. That's just you just wanting people to congratulate you on the internet for just being a decent human. Like, don't do that shit. Like, you should just be nice to people. Because and it's you the right sh- thing to do. Yes, yeah. and you shouldn't just, like, instantly just take to Instagram and, like, hi, guys. Um, So <laughs> I just wanted to fire up a live video to let you know that I was kind for a second. See that, and that's Congratulate thing, me. Because I'm glad you're bringing this up because it's such an important topic in my life right now, right? Because yeah. I have these conversations with friends I believe in that are that are good people who the accountability thing we were talking about and including my girlfriend like you know her viewpoint of it because she's very introverted i don't care what anybody thinks at all to really i mean we all care but i don't care as much mm-hmm. um and to challenge that what are my intentions behind this is my intention in pure of nature or you know yeah or am I looking to get something out of it? And I have to really reevaluate this. There have been times, and I'm going to be very honest, where I've done something because I want the recognition for it. Mm-hmm. It's just, the, I think it's like, what is social media? It's about, right. hey, I like what I'm posting. So, I, I mean, like, I can like my own post. You don't because it's kind of like a faux pas, right? Yeah. Like, why, would you, why are you liking all your own posts? <laughs> High five well, Like, yourself. I like it. I put it up there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you look at them like, if... Because there's this thing like, am I, are you doing it for the right reasons? And yeah. if you can't, there's always going to be some hater out there. It's like, oh, you know, I posted, uh, 
making an amends to an officer. Like, we were in very crazy times right now. Yes. I ran from this officer. I stole his pepper spray. We fought. I hopped fences. <laughs> Shit was wild, right? <laughs> and I can't even believe it happened, but I didn't recognize, like, after that, like, this guy gave me a solid. He helped save my life. And I've been thinking about it for years. I've been mm-hmm. thinking, like, I can't wait to be in a place where I can actually say thank you and actually mean it and show yeah. something behind that. Not just like here, you know, here's some, you know, donuts, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> how can I show like the best apologies change behavior? So I go to this police station and I, I give them a little, uh, <laughs> that was so amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. It was, it was a little bobblehead trophy that says, uh, sorry, I ran from you, but thanks for saving my life. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to be tongue in cheek about it, but also let them know like, look, yeah. thank you. And I've posted about that because they make it's one, it's recovery month. Two, making amends is a huge part of this. It's not just about not drinking. I did actually, it's less about that than it is about service work and, and trying to be a good dude. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's this guy's a, a once again, he's a son. He goes and puts this, this, uh, you know, uniform on every day. He has to face humanity. And he, uh, you would think that he does it because he genuinely wants to help our mm-hmm. community. Not because he's just an asshole who likes to bust skulls. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm sure that that's a totally other conversation. That's another beast. Yeah, that's a whole thing. We, we will be But from six that hours. side of it, though, I know what you're trying to say. In those instances, it is a very thankless job. Just like that's nurses, I mean, right. too. Like nurses, example. you know, that that's their job. They're expected to do it. So when something, when they really help someone or change mm-hmm. someone's life, nobody's going back and thanking them no, for but it. You say like real, think about that, though. Like why? Because it's, because it's not, you know, society says it's a thankless job. Like why can't you thank someone for anything. I if I thank someone for opening up the door for me, I know. something that simple, like, oh, thanks for holding the door. <laughs> you can go thank this person or that. It doesn't matter. But I posted about that. And what I did is one, because I, because of the position I'm in and being this recovery advocate and, and what this show is saying, look, I didn't just stop after sharing this transformation photo of myself and talking about my story. Like I'm still doing things today that I believe are important yeah. and people need to know that we continue to move forward. And maybe that does motivate someone else to say, you know what? I need to get off my ass and make an amends to my mom or this police officer, whoever it is. Well, naturally, because if you don't have haters, you're doing it wrong. Right. You know, like the vast minority, like maybe three posts out of this sh- very heavily shared uh, Facebook and Instagram thing that some guy gets on there and it's like, it's all the really gross. Like, first of all, what, what type of piece of shit's going to talk about, you know, this or that and Black Lives Matter, like all that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I expected it. Mm-hmm. But I also look at it and say, if the vast majority of it is on board and there's got two or three people that don't like it, I'm not focusing on those right, three. for sure. And we can tend to admit that to happen anyway, right? right. Like that's not who I'm doing it for because mm-hmm. I can't change their minds, Okay. I can do it for maybe the other people or encourage them as well. Right. So, yeah. We'll talk about recovery month. <laughs> so recovery month. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Talk well, about it all. Hey, yes. hey, I like this because, you know, my uh, brain, the way it processes information is like, I never tell a story from point A to point B. Anyway. I never do either. I'm like, it's okay. People find it entertaining though. And for me, it's like this huge release. And that way I don't have to carry it. It's not bouncing around my head. Yeah. But, so recovery month is September of every year for 30 days. We focus on Recovery from drugs, alcohol, abuse, whatever it may be, gambling, sex addictions, uh, life change, promoting that, promoting, uh, you know, we're also aware of, you know, people lose their lives to this. So we honor that. We talk about EMTs and lawyers and people who are in this this thing. You know, people don't recognize, like, you know, we're, we're not the pandemic, not the COVID pandemic, but we had an existing pandemic, is what I called it, mm-hmm. with addiction. And that is stripping people away. We're talking 
you know, every year, you know, when you combine them, like, okay, I'll give me an example. In 2016, or actually, let me just even do it more, most recently. Uh, last year, we lost like 73,000 people to just overdose alone that we know of. This year, mm-hmm. they're expecting it to be 30 to 40% more than that. So that's what, 120,000 people that are going to be dead from one thing. And then you include alcohol. Like a lot of people are losing their lives every year and it doesn't have to happen. So we're just trying to show people, you know, one, provide them resources two celebrate that there's life change three, you know, all of that and and dedicate a month to it. Um, And it's been really neat. So every day I've been trying to focus on something else that whether it's, I'm going to talk about this or I'm going to do a video or I'm going to help, you know, homeless, like whatever it is, I don't have any general intention other than, it's recovery month and I need to be doing something. Yeah. So, and it's nationally recognized SAMHSA, which is a substance abuse, mental health industry thing. There, but COVID's changed all that, right? You right. can't do, there, usually there's, um, people are getting together and they're, you know, like entertainment or, you know, uh, what do you call those? Like when we have like a rally, we're not having any of this. Yeah. It's all virtual. So. Yeah. Well, where can people go if they wanted to help? Well, if they want to help. Or if they need help. So two things. It's important. So I developed a group recently called Ohio Helps on Facebook. And Ohio Helps, the idea behind that is a very non-biased way of wanting to to serve the community, especially in Ohio. This is where I live, right? So if someone, it's a, I've created, it was originally public. Now we're moving to private because I don't want to just have anybody in there. But if you have a need, right? One, either you need help or can give help. Is a good place for you. A mom who like doesn't know what to do about her son or, you know, somebody is struggling with, you know, addiction themselves or knows somebody like those are all people that I want to come in that group that way that they can get genuine help, not like call some number or just do a Google search mm-hmm. for Ohio specifically. That's something that was created out of this recovery month. In addition, you know, like with the podcast thing, like tragedy triumph, what I do is available online. People can, you know, like that's a big part. Where can they find that? That is all over the place. <laughs> all you got to do is literally Google my name, Aaron Lane, L-A-I-N-E, and I come up, which is the craziest thing, <laughs> by the way. You can tell people like, Google me, right? And you can literally Google me and I'm the guy who comes up. I'm right above a, a, a what, are, what are the doctors? Oncologist, which I kind of feel bad about because he's doing a little bit more important things than I am sometimes. What? No, it's the thing though. I or. Mean- I was, but we were talking about earlier, though. Right. People's it's, problems are, no, it's all relative. It is. No, I, uh, the good thing is Tragedy Triumph as a podcast can be streamed on any podcast app, right? But you can just search Tragedy Triumph podcast or search it on uh, Facebook and I have a whole page dedicated to it. And then showing hope, showing people amazing transformations and stuff. And then, you know, that's all I know that's really going on because mm-hmm. uh, it's been a little discombobulated because of the pandemic. But you know. yeah. Yeah. Man. So like what does recovery month like mean to you personally? Like as someone that's in recovery, how has it helped you? I don't know if it's helped me necessarily. I don't know if I I only became aware of it after being in recovery. I was like, it's not like I was seeking that stuff out, but like recovery is my life. Right. And then I obviously, I do a lot of other things like the broadcasting, this being a dad, you know, I'm into drawing, I'm into so many different things, but recovery is like the coverall. And I look at it and say, this month to be dedicated to maybe saving somebody's life. That's how I look at it. Mm -hmm. Because my life was saved and all my friends' lives were saved. So we get together. We do this as a community. We promote life change for just one month. And whether it's personal stuff, you can talk about, you know, the ugliness of recovery. You can post transformation photos, like what I used to look like, what I look like now. You know, getting a job, like being a felon and being able to work at a radio station, like that's... You know, like I have five felonies 
and I'm on five stations. So I think that's something to be celebrated to say yeah. to somebody like, look, no matter how bad you think it's gotten, if I can do that, anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. Not that I want you to take my job. I'm just saying <laughs> you can go for it. I'm using Are you handles. sure? Hey, right. uh, I think I'm pretty good at there this. There you go. <laughs> you know, back for the third time today. Everyone's turning off right now. Know, like, like, you geez. know what? I can't. What was it? Puking on the mic. Puking on the mic. Uh, I work with a couple guys that do that, but I'm not going to name any names because they mm-hmm. think that was an asshole. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like, I mean, even you inviting me here is a part of Recovery Month. One, I would have done it anyway, because yeah. I, as I said, I enjoy it. But secondly, like l- making people aware of that, like everybody's affected by this. Everybody. Mm-hmm. I've yet to meet somebody that doesn't either know someone or themselves has gone through it. And because of that, to let them know that there are resources uh, like someone like myself that mm-hmm. will help them in any way I can to connect them with what they need. Yeah. I can't answer every question. I don't have experience in everything, but mm-hmm. I have enough experience and I know enough people that we can get you to where you need to be. Yeah. And for me, and like having you on, it was important for me because I feel like just like my lung cancer work, there's such a stigma with right. that because people are like, oh, they smoked. They did it to themselves. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, that too. you know, so it's like that annoys me. And that's like a big, that's a whole nother conversation. That's a huge misconception. But I feel like that with like, addiction and stuff i think people love to there's such a stigma people love to point fingers and think that it's like oh well it's just bad people or they came from broken homes or whatever and it's like yeah true but i also know some people that you would have never expected that uh, a friend of mine that i grew up with passed away recently overdosed and you know he had gotten in a like really bad car accident that you know he was really lucky to survive got hooked on the pain pills and then it just snowballed and it's like you know it's it's and it's like people point the blame a lot, or they'll just like like how you talk they about like put it like in a box though too. Like yeah. people want to very quickly say, oh, the, you know, because of the homeless person. Yes, mm-hmm. most homeless people have mental health and drug problems. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's one subset. What about the soccer mom that's popping Xanax every time yeah. she goes to a game? She or she's bringing wine with her. Yes. Like, and she's trying to be cute about it, but she has a a, a real problem. Yes. She doesn't know how who to reach out to mm-hmm. or how she's going to be. If she if people knew this about her, she would be devastated. Yeah. Right. And that can cause serious problems. It causes problems in a relationship, how she's raising her children, waking. I mean, who knows what it does? Yeah. That's still the same thing. It's being aware that like substance abuse, you know, like there's this, this line that can be crossed. It's like, oh, I drink, I'm a weekend drinker, or I have a drink every night and your life is fine. No issues. But for anybody to be able to look at that and say, "Ooh, I probably, you know, mm-hmm. this is a lot worse than I, than it, I want it to be. And to know that there's help, even like, I don't want to, I don't expect people like, let's go to the bitter ends and be homeless before we do anything about right, it. Right, right. Like arrest it when, you know, like even in my own life, I'm going to a doctor, I'm realizing I'm taking those meds every single day. What's available to us now didn't exist back then. They mm-hmm. were just handing them out. So for me, there wasn't that opportunity. Yeah. So you look at that and say, all right, what if someone's on pain management right now and they know that they're physically addicted? How do you reach that person? You say, look, it's going to get, it can get, it, it can get worse. And why don't we look at this before it does? Let's find right. another route for you. Totally. And I, I think, think that's fair. I think talking about it makes people. Re- it normalizes it. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's so important with so many things like, and like, yeah, this could be happening to anyone. Nobody is exempt or like. At all. From this. I like, go to meetings with doctors, lawyers, uh, teachers, pastors, uh, executives, I mean, I go to the same meetings with people who lived in the ghetto their entire lives. Mm-hmm. Or were, I mean, there's this huge spectrum of that. 
not everybody's living under a bridge that has had some substance use issues. Right. And that's not even the focus. Like, I think it's less about the the past than it is about today. And you look at like, you know, what I try to promote, I don't, as I said, I'm not anti-drug. Like I say, if I could have a beer and like get away with it, oh my gosh, I would love to sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I had a long day. How am I going to kick back? You know, mm-hmm. uh, I just don't have that luxury because I'm very quick to be like, well, let me do it again. Let me do it again. Let me do it again. I have this, this thing. Um, oh, ADD kicked in. I forgot what I was talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the side effects of drug abuse. I'm just throwing it out there. You said no, you're not against it. I don't want to drill that into people. So it's like, I'm obviously more than, than my addiction and recovery. And I didn't even get into those details specifically. Let's just say it's bad, right? It was bad for me. And it's been bad for a lot of people. What, I, what really intrigues me more than anything is that regardless, like we all have hurts and hangups, right? We all have them. We all have, you know, toxic people in our lives or we've had bad relationships or we've, you know, whatever it may be. So to embrace that and to say, even faced with all of this adversity, I've been able to do these things. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you start to like a laundry list, like being proud of your accomplishments, like my own perspective, having all the felonies, going in and out of jail, not being a good dad to now like, working at a radio station, working in the treatment industry, being a recovery advocate, you know, all of these start just going, he was like, you know, being a homeowner again, you know, seeing my children, paying my child support, like all of those things I look at as wins. And you're like, this huge list all of a sudden is created. And I want to give that to anybody in their, for their own life. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the cool stuff. I think it's cool. Cause you don't even understand the kind of gifts that can come into your life. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be a good dad. And now all this other stuff is thrown on top of it. I'm like, Run it. Let's see how long I can ride this wave. Yeah, let's <laughs> talk about your girls. They're the <laughs> oh, cutest they're the things best. ever. So my children, especially my youngest, and I was just thinking about this earlier today. All right. Since the context and when you say you bring me on because of this, what my life was like and, and mm-hmm. how we know each other. My youngest daughter has been for the majority of her life, uh, her dad's been on drugs. And I've always loved my children. I love my children dearly. I got three daughters, Stella, Maggie, Lily, who saved my life. I say it like that because mm-hmm. SML. And uh, when I got clean in 2016, my youngest daughter didn't know if I was going to stick around. We had a relationship, but it wasn't solid because mm-hmm. her dad's been in and out, right? And like maybe in April of 2017, you know, I was trying to spend more time with him. Your dad's trying to move forward with his life. I'm in sober living. I'm doing this. I'm working odd jobs. And I would tell her I love her. This is after I got in clean and she wouldn't say it back. She would say like, I love Rascal, which is our dog. I love grandma. I love Maggie. But she would never tell me she loved me. Mm-hmm. And it was, and, and I would say, you know, you, why don't you ever tell me you love me back? She's like, you know, like, I don't know if you're going to be staying around. Like she didn't want to get her heartbroken. And uh, the reason I thought about this, hopefully this story is making sense. But in April of 2017, spending time with my daughters, you know, I remember prior that year, she wanted a Hatchimal, which was this really popular toy <laughs> and nobody could find it. And we were at uh, Walmart or something just being silly. And it was on the shelf, right? It's like a hundred dollars. Some crazy. I was like, and I don't have a hundred dollars at the time, but I have it. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like I can, yeah. I'm looking at her and, and I was like, let's get this. You want to get this thing? And she's like, oh my gosh, are you serious? I like, yeah, let's just get it. And it wasn't the materialism thing. It was like, I need to do this for her. Like, mm-hmm. I love her. And every time I tell her, you know, I'm thinking in my head, like, she, you know, she needs to know that her dad really likes her, you know, mm-hmm. you know, or loves her. And I give that to her and I have this video on my phone and she's, you know, the thing hatches out of an egg. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Super weird. And I, and I, I love you, Lily. And she's like, I love you too, dad. 
Aww. And I remember that, right? So this is like a, a very specific, because she hadn't been saying it up to that point. She used to say it and then she stopped. And, you know, that's one specific scenario where I remember experiencing that, like, and knowing that she said it, I have pictures of the day it happened. And it's like deeply personal to me. And I'm like, I never want to trade that in, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to trade it in for any of them. Like building their trust, them knowing that I love them, that I'm going to be there for them, that I'm going to do whatever it takes is carrying that through. So with all of those three girls who have been affected in their own way, they have all blossomed into something else. The youngest being having attitude and, and finally telling me she loves me and hasn't stopped. My middle daughter, who's uh, probably one of the, my more emotional children, mm-hmm. uh, you know, has a lot of empathy and it just hurt her so much. And, you know, trauma, this is trauma for my kids. You know, she doesn't have to see that. And my oldest, who's like too cool, like she brightens the room, but they're all being able to be confident in their dad and doing their own thing and being the girls that they want to be and having encouragement from their father. And I'm able to listen to them. Like we have the most epic relationship. It's not always easy. I got mm-hmm. three daughters, you know what I mean? So it's insane at times, yeah. especially when they're arguing with each other. I feel and, for you. <laughs> People have no idea. Like I had no idea because you didn't get to the thing where they start having their period and this and yeah. that. And I'm just... See, it was just me and my sister versus my dad, and he would always threaten to jump off the deck. So I can imagine three. They say the craziest shit to me sometimes, (laughs) but it's okay. They're allowed to. Like, I encourage them, like, be you. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you into? What do you want to be? Challenge them. Challenge their thoughts. Like, right now, we just recently, believe it or not, we were talking about abortions, right? Like, I'm trying to gauge, like, because they are always on social media, and they're seeing all these different opinions. And I want to know what my children think about things that are going to apply to them as women, right? Or like boys or this or that. My point being like to have these real conversations with my kids, like that's a huge, awesome thing. And I get to be the dad I want to be and they get to have the dad that they yeah. want. Which and, is uh, huge, especially being a like female. Be, like no, being no. like it's scary to come to your dad and be like, hey, can I talk to you about boys? Yeah, right. Or anything. Can I talk to you about boys? Hey, you right. want to talk about boys today? Exactly. And it's like instantly the beads of sweat and just the look of rage. Like, who do I need to slay? You know what I told him? I said, look, your dad won't do anything, but I have a lot of felon friends who will. <laughs> That's my thing. I think it's pretty funny and it's true because I have friends that like do not care. They will go back to prison. And I'm like, always like, hey, man, chill out. Like total, like face tats, you know what I mean? You know, DVs on their record and everything. Like just God, a lot. Why can I see Lily just using that though? Oh, this is what <laughs> something just happened. Like the kids, this is how insane. They're so insane. They say the craziest shit, especially Lily, mm-hmm. especially her. And I said something, I was She's joking around. We were at Roosters, which is chicken place here, right? And I'm there and we're sitting and said something like, uh, I think her sister was messing, making fun of her saying, you have a food baby and uh, something to the effect of like, better not get pregnant. And she said, I'm 12. If it's happening now, there's a huge problem. I was like, damn, <laughs> like, who, like, yes, that's very true. Thank you for saying that. But I would never expect her to be like, yeah, I'm 12, by the way. So you don't have to worry about that. Oh, my like, God. Like, Dang, Lily. They say I can't even give you like I try to do as much snapshots with that. Like I take videos, pictures. I, I write down what they say, and it, I could write a book on it. Oh, like, yeah. it's that hilarious because mm-hmm. of the trauma. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> like, they say you have a little <laughs> bit of trauma to be funny. So it's I must true, have a though. Lot. No. 
It's true. It's funny. Like I was just with Adam, your brother and Mandy the other day. And we were kind of talking about that. And Mandy was just like, I feel like he will use like comedy a lot to talk about things. Like he'll talk about some dark things and like laugh about it. And I was like, can relate because like my dad and like all of that. I was like, if I, if you don't laugh about some of that shit, you will lose your mind. It's a defense. Not only is it a defense, but it's actually healthy, right? Like, so some of the most twisted people I know are nurses. Nurses see (laughs) terrible things, especially- and they have dark senses of humor. Mm-hmm. And you're like, it's a coping mechanism. And it's okay. That's a natural response. I can personally look at things in a very serious light, but humor helps ease the tension yeah. in the room. It helps deliver the message. If you have to hear me talk, when I love getting in front of people, and if I'm just like talking about negative, 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 you're going to just like, please stop. Yes, I, can't. Yes. I was telling you like, before we even started this, like I heard a story from a guy on my podcast I cannot release because it was so dark. And I don't want to have anybody else hear that. Right. You have to be able to sprinkle in. And also from my own life, all the crazy shit that I've done, like, you know, the running from the cops thing. The reason I can laugh about that Mm -hmm. today is because I'm past it and I don't let it hold power Mm -hmm. over me. You know, people can Google my name. At one point, my mug shots would come up. The lawsuit that I gave against Metropolis Dance Club because I got, was in a best buck contest. Some girl smacked me. I fall off and break my leg. Like, that's the stuff you would find about me, right? So it's like, if this stuff exists, if I already have, (laughs) <laughs> this ignorant ass stuff out in the out in the world. I might as well control the narrative. Embrace it. Yes. Share my mugshot. Okay. I got plenty of mugshots. Here they are. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I use my humor a lot. I <laughs> you should. I, <laughs> I try not to hide. I'm really good at hiding behind it. Mandy always calls me out on that. Oh, is that right? she's well, like, she knows you. Yeah, because she's just like, you know, like you are tough, but you're you lead like you let on that you're a lot more tough than you are. And I'm like, fair, but also still though. it's kind of my thing, you right. know? <laughs> it kind of is. It's I have a lot of, of things, but that's like, that's what I'm known for. That's Smart ass again. Yeah. This is knockout beauty and I am known for my, you could do. I hey. Do that. No, <laughs> hey, I'm a knockout yeah, aunt. Hey. <laughs> this knockout, yeah, you like knockouts out here. Jeez. Don't listen to me. What accent was that? No, I have so many of them. And this is one of the best things I want to talk about for a second. Like my ex, I hated the voices I would do. Hated them. Really? And it used to bother me so bad, like to my core. No wonder I got high all the time. Like mm. it was like, this was the worst. <laughs> I have such the most amazing girlfriend today. Like she really is my, yeah, the, the kind opposite, right? Like you're supposed to be, they say opposite detract, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I took that differently back 15 years ago or whatever it was, 20 years ago. And my point being like, my girlfriend allows me to be me and she'll Mm -hmm. challenge me. She likes to remind me of what's most important. And like, look, you know, doing what you do is not everything. You still got to focus on your family. Me, I'm important. Well, you know, this and that. But uh, yeah, I can do all sorts of weird voices around her and she thinks it's hilarious. I'm like, I like her. Oh, well, you know how many times my ex-boyfriends would ask me when I'd go get a big girl job? Really? And I know a couple of them are listening. Yeah, good. Found that out. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, guys. (laughs) Seriously, the fact you're still, you're listening to your ex-girlfriend's podcast. No, it's Who's winning? Who's winning, right? I'll tell you what, though. Like, uh, I found out my ex was listening to mine, which is like, fine. There's some healing. And I try to make this clear. Like, I was married for a long time. Uh, We were part of each other's lives. We still are to an point because we got to focus on the children. And it gets... I try to keep that in its rightful place. I don't mm-hmm. want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with her and her whole MO. But uh, when I found out, I was like, 
Mm, you're, <laughs> okay. I think she like liked a post and was like, this, you can't be doing this. You can't be like following my content and calm. I just don't, it's not, yeah. you're, we're on, we're done. Move yeah. on. You know what I mean? Well, like you can listen to it. I think it's great that you do. Maybe it's healing for you and get some insight in what your, you know, your ex-husband was going through. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, you know, I mean. I got some that linger around. And then I'm like, oh, for me though, I'm like, oh man. Yeah. Sucks, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, it sucks to see what my, my quote unquote non-big girl job, where that took me and. You're still working a nine to five that you fucking hate with this girlfriend that you don't like. People are gross though, right? You ever look back at like your history and you're like, thank God that. Oh yeah. All of them. The ones that I'm talking about. Hey, thanks for cutting me loose. That's my thing. So I have this high five. Oh my gosh. If my, if the things didn't work out the way they did, I would have never met Kim. And like, that Mm -hmm. is the coolest thing. And my perspective on it, and Kim doesn't always feel like that. She's just like, okay, you were married for a long time. I'm, you know, like, I'm not that type of girl. I'm like, that's fine. You're the person that I love. Yes. You are you. And that's yeah. why I like you. I don't need you to be all these things. That's okay. The best. Trust me. That was, I already had that was problematic. And, you know, the situation, and I don't want to get into all the other stuff. But mm-hmm. my point being like, you, all of those decisions, all the dumb stuff and good stuff that we've done have led us to here yes. in this moment, sitting down doing a podcast, yeah. you know, crossing paths, while by like how small the world is. I know. And to know, you know. I know. And that's the thing is like, it's hard for me to look back and think, I wish that wouldn't have happened because I'm like, I like, what if? Yeah. Like, I wish it could have been someone else. God, he was such a tool. And look at him now. I ran into the this one on St. Patty's Day, <laughs> and he had gained so much weight. <laughs> it was like, like he ate his original self. This is so mean like to he say. Ate the turkey on Thanksgiving. But I couldn't claim him. I was with one of my best friends, and he was just in this like weird suit and looked so puffy. And <laughs> they were dressed so formally to be at Molly Malone's. And my friend was like, oh, who was that? Was that one of your teachers? Nope. And I was like, yeah, sure he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was my high school teacher. <laughs> you have to. That's actually really funny. You can't. I you couldn't. I couldn't funny. do it. I couldn't. And he was the worst. He was the most manipulative, mean guy ever. And then I'm looking now and I'm like, oh my God. Like, who was I back? Yes. How did I allow I that wish to if I could change anything, I'd go back in time travel and just give myself one of these, yeah, a couple of slaps. Leave today, leave now. Yeah. Yeah, and that would be ni- nice if we had that hindsight. Uh, however, we don't. But then again. But we do have podcasts. And yes. the cool thing about them is that this is a very healing thing for everybody involved, right? It's a healing for you in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. And it pushes you and motivates you. It helpful for me, pushes and motivates me, helps me reevaluate life and realize, like, life is good. It really yeah. is. Like, I can't, all whatever happened is already over with. I can't control that. Tomorrow isn't here. Like, it just doesn't even exist. So why not embrace now and do the best with what we've got in the moment? Yeah. Not to sound trite. You know what I mean? I feel like I regurgitate a lot of things that I've heard over the years as opposed <laughs> to having original thought in my head. <laughs> yeah, that's actually not true. But just say it in this voice. And yeah. Then it's <laughs> it works if you work it. I do want to tell you that, like, so... And I think it's about time I tell this story. I've never told this story. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Lucky this is a you, knockout right? original. A knockout original. And, and great context, too. So I used to buy heroin from a guy down the street from the recording studio here. And if anybody's like the, the hill, as you know, goes right into the highway. And there's another side street that's a much higher hill that goes, I don't know what that street is, but it's down at the bottom here. My point is I bought drugs from this guy I used them. I was parked at the top of a hill. It crosses over this main road. I was parked. I used drugs. 
I put it in the drive. And next thing you know, I wake up in the woods across the street, right? Cars destroyed. Oh my God. The whole minivan, brand new minivans destroyed. And because I, I had obviously overdosed and, uh, I remember waking up and thinking, uh-oh, this is, I mean, like, this is terrible. We just bought this car. I just overdosed. I destroyed it. But I can't sit here. I can't wait for the cops. I got to leave. So then I leave and I'm still very high. I could barely keep my eyes open. And uh, finally get to, I don't even know where I was, like Rayburn or something like the nice houses up there. And I park and I have to call, you know, AAA to come change the tire. Like, it's so bad. Mm-hmm. And then I get home. And just with this brand new van, I'm looking at my, like my wife at the time. And she's like, what happened? I was like, I have no idea what happened. I, somebody hit me. You know, it's snowing out and all this. Like this insane situation I have to be reminded of every day I go down the street is that I almost died. I almost like I totaled a vehicle and then I lied about it after the fact, right? Like how insane when you really break it down, like I was a married man. I We just bought a minivan for our family, but I used it to go buy drugs from a drug dealer. I nodded off crossed a main road, could have gotten, you know, T-boned into the woods, had to get out of there and then lied about the whole thing after the fact. Like it was, it's like, you look at those things and you say to yourself like, geez, drugs are messed up, man. Like, because I don't lie. Why would I have any reason to, unless I was trying to protect something mm-hmm. and why on earth would I protect that? Right. That's my point in that story. It's not like the most funny story. Once again, you, <laughs> but, but it is relative because I get to see it every day. And it's another reminder of why I don't want to do the things that I do. Yeah. And now look at you. You're in the studio. I know. I love it. I like the road. light and the blue lighting and everything with some of my favorite people ever. Yes. <laughs> so fun. It's fun how life like does like a full circle like that. Yeah. Like, well, I would hope. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope I would have, never have to experience any of that stuff again. Yeah. No, it's just crazy yeah. to see like a point that you start at. Like after my dad passed away, like I started hanging out with, it was, it was after the first year. So I survived the first year going through all the first holidays, the first birthdays. Yeah. And you, you try so hard to just be like, okay, cool. I got through all those things. And then the second year comes and it's like, fuck, I got to do this again. again. And I don't know what it was, but it just, I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't even considered Become it. Autonomous and-, and then I had lost my job. It's when I had the home invasion, whatever. And I, didn't have anything. And all the people that were available to me were just really toxic, bad people. And, but I always knew that they'd be at the bar. I could call them up anytime and be like, oh, oh, my friend's home with her baby. Well, I'm going to go hang out with these dudes that never leave the bar because they'll be there. And next thing you know, I'm hanging out with all these shitty people all the time. And I'm looking around like, this is not my scene. And that yeah, bar, <laughs> I could throw a rock at it from my studio. Really? Yeah. And so I'm like, whoa, if you would have told me that I would have been opening up my. That's the good point. Yeah. That's the strong point, right? Mm-hmm. Like anytime, you know what? I just bought down to the store where a bag of these their chips called shebangs, right? The whole shebang are chips that you can only get in jail. <laughs> I saw your post yeah, about that. That's this. the thing though. So but great. I just found them in another store. It's two for two now. Like I, they ran out. <laughs> <laughs> this is how awesome this is. I went to BP in Norwood. They found these chips. They're expensive for this little ass bag. Whatever. I'm willing to pay the premium because of the mental, they're like they're one, they're tasty. Two, you can't, I've never seen them in the store. So I have to get them and I'm like giving them, to, I'll, I'll give you a bag before we leave. Um, my point being, so like I go and get down the road and I get these in the, and I look at these chips and I'm thinking you can only get these in jail. And now I'm at a store, I'm getting ready to go to a podcast or I'm ready to go into the radio station. The thing that I used to talk about all the time, like I would love to do that. 
It's like this weird full circle things that you're talking about. Like mm-hmm. this chip, like they're so ridiculous too. Like they're, it's. And they're actually good. Yeah, they got they're like a salt and vinegar barbecue. They got all the flavoring on them, and they're really tasty and they're very unique. And like food in jail sucks. It's like mm-hmm. really and like it's like deservedly so. But you can get commissary. You can spend fifty dollars a week. You can only get like ten of these bags of chips. But they make every. They're just better. They got a lot of flavor to them. And like you look forward to that while you're in jail. It's like the one thing like getting a a beef jerky or some Jolly Ranchers or whatever it is makes your day because you know and you, all you do is just eat and eat and eat. Um, but to be able to see these on the outside and as a reminder, like, I didn't want to never want to go back there too. These are some pretty good chips. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to get them. And then to share the love, like, I made the post online. And then I, I brought it back to my girlfriend, which is a huge mistake because she likes chips to begin with. And I only had so many. And I'm like, I'm trying to hoard them for myself. And she's like, when well, you can bring some chips over? You got some chips for me? I'm like, seriously? So now that I found them down the road, now I can comfortably bring her another bag and not have to worry about oh it. Oh my you know God, I mean? you are me with snacks. I once got into so a thanks. big fight with an ex-boyfriend because I thought he ate my Cadbury eggs. Those little mini eggs. <laughs> I would can- stockpile so them gross. after Easter. Oh, I they're love so them. Disgusting. And we had a pantry and I stuck them in the back and I came home one day and I was like, seriously, you eat all my snacks all the time. These are my one thing. The one thing I want. One I used to do that thing. with Coke. Like and not then, cocaine, but actually bottled I, Coke. I went wanted to leave or something. And then like, he was like, you talking about these? And then I had to just sit there like, mm. oh, my I didn't jo- see him back there, but uh, I'm th- glad we just broke up. Over th- this. <laughs> that was one of those, like, if you would have saw yourself, you're like, maybe you should know that the Cadbury eggs are still in there. Yeah. As I just see red. You if you eat my chocolate, I just see, I couldn't even you see it straight. It's like so possessive, right? Like I yeah. knew that there's certain things in my life. Like I don't, I generally <laughs> do not care. People can offend me, all sorts of things. It doesn't matter. But there's always like this one minute random thing that will bother me so fucking bad. Is it the right? snacks? It's well, it's a couple <laughs> things. So I know what. It, so snacks I will. For me all I will day. give the shirt off my back. I'll lend my friends twenty bucks. I don't care. Like, what's twenty bucks? Is twenty bucks? It doesn't even matter that much, yeah. right? But I'm a. It really bothers me when someone says, "I will pay you back on Friday." Mm-hmm. And Friday comes and you don't reach out to me and pay me back. Yeah. It's not that I need the twenty dollars. It's like it. Bo- it makes me sick to myself. It's the principle. Principles always principle. I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. look. If you need twenty bucks, I'm, and I would say this when people ask me for money, I'm like, if you're asking to borrow or if you just need it. You need to say it to me now because I'm going to, it's going to bother me and mm-hmm. I can't let it go. Just can't. So that's one situation. The second one is the Cokes. Like I don't drink pop anymore for this exact reason. I will buy a 12 pack <laughs> can of Coke. And it'll sit in my refrigerator. I'll have one, right? Like my whole rule is like, you can drink all of them, but always leave me one. And I'll go in there and they're all gone. And I'm like, really? Like, why is it? The one thing I don't think you guys are always just drink. And they will drink like Maggie drank three or no, I'm sorry, eight cans of Coke over a 24 hour period. I get it. However, <laughs> I'm like, really? Like the one time I buy a 12 pack of Coke, I'm really looking for just to have one. They're all gone. Dude, this yeah. is extra hilarious to me because I used to do that to my dad all the time. He never drank pop. Like it was just strictly beer, honestly. And then like he would have just like a six pack of like the Coke bottles or whatever, just in the little plastic thingy. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh man, I never drank pop. There's one left. Uh, I'll go to the store and get more. It's probably on the list. That's, and then it the would problem. just be like, God damn it. All I want is the one Coke. Say that's, that's what I'm saying. I don't get, I don't let a lot of things get me worked up though. I'm trying to think there's some, traffic is another one of them. Mm. I just feel like I live my life in traffic and the pandemic was the best thing for that. Cause I got on, I, I had to work still. I'd go to the radio station yeah. and nobody's on the road. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the best. Let's leave it like this. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, 
people are back on the road. I'm like, why are you out right now? Go back home. You know, oh, you yeah. have no reason like uh, to that was pretty out of control on our way here. I'm like, if everyone could just drive, yeah, there wouldn't traffic be traffic. <laughs> so many things. Jeez. Yeah. There anything else you want to know? I don't know. Let me look at my she list. She had a list, I feel like and then we derailed everything. completely. Everything we did, but it was so good. Um. Okay. Last question that I really have that we didn't cover is like, okay. what led you to start your podcast? It's actually an awesome question. So, is it? Ooh. Yeah, it is. Because, um, so I got into radio. I, I had a spiritual experience in, in, in rehab, okay? Like, I really heard the voice of God through a song. It's called Priceless. And as a result of that, because I had this spiritual experience around radio, and I had already wanted to do it many years leading up to that, I made a decision that moment I was going to go for it. I told my children, I'm going to make this happen. I didn't know how I was going to. I have all these feelings. I don't know how this is, how I would ever get hired other than the voice. Remember, I say, I wouldn't go in here, like, give me a job like that. <laughs> but I'm going to make it happen. And uh, went for the job, didn't get it because it was a sales job. I wasn't meant for it. But at the time, it was like really broke my heart. Right? Oh, I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, I do sales and I got a radio voice. Like you guys are fucking morons for not sure. hiring. Like in my head, I'm thinking, yeah. it, it's a seal the deal. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the job. And then, you know, towards the end of the year, I graduate that treatment program. And I'm like, God, what's next? He's like, go to school. Just go to, go to broadcasting school. How about that? You know what? I don't got anything else to do. So I started broadcasting school. Two weeks into that, they said, hey, that same company that I had tried to get a job with the year prior is hiring interns. I was like, well, I'm over. I, I, I have nothing to lose again. Even though mm-hmm. they deny me the first time, they can't deny a free worker. You know what yeah. I mean? Sure enough, they hired me as an intern. I was like, awesome. I did that for eight months. I was in school for eight months. I did work third shift. I, I was, it was such an exhausting time of my life because I feel like I never stopped. And even though sometimes I feel like that now, like truly it was like every day, every day, every day, grinding, making like 10 bucks an hour here, 15 bucks an hour there, two jobs, kids, all of it. I interned to being up at four o'clock in the morning, go to the radio station, doing whatever they asked. They hired me the day after I graduated at that school, right? 35 years old, hired me, felonies. They knew about them. Like this is, can't believe it. They didn't hire me to be on air, but it is what it is. But two weeks after I was an employee, I got a chance to get on air, right? And the rest is history. It went from having no experience in the industry to being, you know, uh, given a shot to get on air, some compassion, like we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. And uh, that steamrolled into five different stations. Like not much longer after I had my first chance on air, I was having a conversation. And I had been thinking about this stuff prior. Like I've always wanted to have like a show. And, you know, I've been to treatment many times and I love these crazy ass stories of like what people do to get high. Like you can't even fathom like, oh, he was a drug mule. What do you mean he was a drug mule? He like put drugs in his butt and like went on a plane. And like, I have to hear this story. Like someone, you know, gets investigated by the FBI because he was, you know, fixing horse races. Like I want to hear these things. Mm -hmm. But I remember being in treatment. They say you have to end that on recovery. You can't just say these crazy ass stories and just leave them there because someone who's in this dangerous area might say, well, Heck, I want to go. I mean, life is not that bad for me just yet. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. How about you ended on recovery? So I had this idea bouncing around, had been bouncing around for a while. I talked to the program director. His name is Alex Lowe. He's the guy who gave me my first chance to get on air. He said, do you have any ideas for a podcast? I'm like, interestingly enough, I do. And I explained to him my idea. And I tell him my story about running from the cops. And I tell up to him in full. 
like of what was happened when I woke up that day, all of these things. And you can find all that stuff online. Like it's available for anybody to stream and listen to because it is crazy. Mm -hmm. So I tell him the story and, and he's like in shock. He's like, you need to record this. Whatever this is, you need to do it. And I stand behind you 100%. I was like, okay, well, how am I, you know, like <laughs> I'm like asking him for help. He said, no, go do it. What do you mean go do it? Like, yeah, figure it out. So I'm like going to the station every day, figure, you know, sitting in my own time, weekends, trying to put this together. You know, it's like one thing after I just came, it was bred out of an idea of sharing stories, stories from people who have been through the craziest of things and turned them around, settled on the idea of tragedy to triumph from a friend of mine who said that I, my story is a very tragedy to triumph story. Mm -hmm. I was like, love the name designed the logo, did all this, recorded all these episodes and, uh, you know, let him hear a couple of the first ones was just me and somebody else who's like me, who's like in recovery. And he said, I'll tell you what, I love it. Um, you know, but we need to make your episode the first. You have to start this off. I was like, well, who's going to do it? He's like, well, I'll do it. So he sat with me for three and a half hours to listen to me tell my story. Like I'm sharing my story with the with what I perceive the world, a normie, somebody that mm -hmm. would never, why would I wanted to tell anybody this stuff? Mm -hmm. It's one thing to talk to someone else is in recovery because they say crazy shit. Yeah. I was like, all right. I said, no, I'm going to let you know something like, you can't fire me after you know, <laughs> you guys can't, you're already <laughs> me. That's like discrimination. <laughs> so he spent three and a half hours doing it. First episode is called Do Big Things. It was released in February of 2019. Is that right? Or eight? I don't know. Yeah, 2019. Okay. February 2019. But it, he sat down with me for three and a half hours. I told him my whole life story of how I got to that day, right? Released that, you know, two weeks later and like the rest is history. Like standing on the platform to say, I'm going to share this story with the world. I don't care what anybody thinks. I Or I, or I have to own it. Like I was embarrassed. I don't want my grandma to know like the type of shameful things I've done. Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody really, my family, whatever. But I have to do it if I want this idea to succeed. So in, with that, I shared my mug shot and head shot. I shared them as like, just like right at the same time. I'm yeah. like, I'm going balls to the wall, right? If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And like, That comparison is wild. Oh, yeah. There's some crazy ones. I, I have so many pictures on my phone still and videos. I have this crazy ass video like where I was at my mom's house. And like, I can't, I've been debating whatever, whether I want to put it online, but I might go to jail for doing it. So I'm not trying to. <laughs> so I just show it to people one off. But no, that's the thing. So this idea was bred out of the, the 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 belief that anybody can change their lives, that these stories are entertaining, that they're heartwarming, that it's about the underdog. It's about why do people do what they do? What led you to today? You know, uh, how bad life got, what, you know, and what it's like now. What do you do to keep this thing going? All this stuff that you kind of ask me, like, how do I keep this thing going? That's mm -hmm. it. I share other people's stories. I share my own. And it's been like therapy for me too. That's what so I was going to ask yeah. how it helped you. Well, because like, I don't remind, I have a, a very interesting memory, like even like bringing up the, the thing, the, the wreck down the road, mm -hmm. like sitting in this moment, it reminded me like, that's right there. So that's what happens. Someone will tell me a story and it'll remind me of something that I've done. And it gives me an opportunity to tell that story. So mm -hmm. now if I get it out of me, it's not jumping around here or just like in the recesses of the dark part of my brain. Right. So by getting out, I don't have to live with it anymore. And it's kind of like uh, purging. Like yeah, it really is. And sometimes it's kind of the point because I've heard a lot of stories and they, sometimes they get very similar mm -hmm. because it's like, oh, you used to use drugs. Now you don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like there was some trauma there. There was this, there was that. Uh, so I'm trying to switch it up a bit, like do some more monologue, more uh, in the moment, like just with, you know, listener interaction, anybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, just kind of like fly by the seat of my pants. I'm really good in the moment. Um, 
just have, I don't know how to explain it. Like I'm really good in live radio, not pre-recorded to my point. Yeah. And here we are pre-recording. Yeah. yeah, right. (laughs) I'm a robot. (laughs) He's not actually here. This is a hologram. That's true. Like Tupac when the, what show was that he was in? Yeah. And they did like the hologram. Coachella. Like, have you seen one of Michael Jackson? Watch the (laughs) Michael Jackson hologram video. And I was watching it. So I was on my phone, YouTube. I think I've never heard this Michael Jackson song. I kind of like it. I'm like, why does he look? Like this was yesterday, but not quite. And I come to find out it's like the freaking hologram was like, no, like, and they put millions of dollars behind this whole production of it. I was like, that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It was so weird. Like he's all dan- he's dancing, he's and he's doing these things, and it's. But I was like, I don't know. I wish everybody could have just seen your moves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't dance like my brother. Michael, is rhythm. that you? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. God right. bless. It's uh, it's been a hell of a journey. I have uh, celebrated, I think, three hundred and sixty three thousand streams from a guy with no money behind the podcast. I've yeah, you're crushing it, it, dude. Well, that's the thing, and I haven't released a new episode since June. Okay, so I haven't had a chance to record. So just recently, I have been saving up money, trying to figure out how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it from home. I can literally have someone call in and do it from there. I have a professional mic. I have a camera. I'm going to do all sorts of things. But I also need to have, I don't want to have every guest in my house. Yeah. Right. Uh, especially if it's a professional. If I, you know, I, I, I could see that at some point, but I'd rather come somewhere and be yeah. like, look, let's just get the episode. We'll do the interview and go from there. So and now, hello, timeless. I know, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Timeless Studios. Yeah, hey. timeless. Yeah, and I like it. Tragedy to timeless. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Journey. That well, is. final question, I guess, is like, what would you say to someone that's listening right now that hasn't taken the first step? That's a big question, that but. No, it's all good though. Uh, I asked similar questions for people when they come on my show. If you could say something to someone who's still struggling, what would that be? Mm-hmm. So what I do is that help is available and uh, it's confidential. And if you feel comfortable and at least having a conversation with someone like myself, then just reach out to me. I'm available 23 hours a day. I have to sleep at least one. <laughs> what Which hour that is, you'll never know. No, um, that I'm easy to get a hold of. Uh, you can literally, my my number is 513-454-4769. It's available all times of the day. And if you or someone you know is struggling, just reach out to me and I'll help in any way I can. Yeah. I love that so much. It's simple. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Is there anything else you want to throw in before we go? Is there anything we didn't cover? Well, um, I like to tell people do big things and I don't know why I started saying that, but I say it all the time. I say it in every episode over things that I do, but I, I am starting to believe the reason that came to be was because of all the fear I had leading up to it of like talking about myself, like things that no one should ever really share. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? That that was a big deal. So that's why I say, you know what, do something that, that, you know, you're afraid of because once you do it, there's not, you have nothing ever to be afraid of again. So true. So do big things. That's yeah. all I got to say. Yeah. And I love my kids and I love my girlfriend. And I'm going to end this on saying, Kim, you're the most beautiful girl I've ever met. And, Aww. you know, <laughs> maybe if you're lucky at some point in your life, you might become Mrs. Lane. Oh, shit. No. That was a big statement. Yeah. And you heard it here on. Yeah. First, <laughs> knockout beauty. Yep. 
You're a knockout. All right, no. Do, 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 do. We keep adding stuff. It's just going to get weirder know, and weirder and weirder. Well, thank, thank you, you for, so no, much, thank you Aaron. This was me. amazing. No I appreciate it so much. Anytime, we'll do a round two. Ooh, that's what you can call when you bring your guests back. Round twos. Oh, right? I love that. Yeah, see? Yes. Inspiring. Yes, thank you for that. I'm totally going to do that. <laughs> All right, well, until round two. Here we go. I guess over and out. Over and out. <laughs>